you. And now, about to witness the awesome crushing might his fingers fractured. Look how swollen it is. Oh, the UG. S. Robinson Show Stop it! Oh! Ah. Welcome, my friend. This is very different from this for my friend. It's different from my, my friend. Welcome to V. Four, three, oh, sorry, European three. Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper, I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson, and we are here at V, four, three, with a, a rant that I've been working on for a couple of days. I, I've been able to get no sympathy for it, There's no interest, no public pickup. It's that dangerous. And for those who would think that I would shy away from talking about chomos, you're nuts. Fuck, okay, I give a shit about that. And of course, UFC 231, right now on the UGS Robinson Showstopper. But first, the words from Bob Riley, Stigmata, intro, all of nothing from the record Calling of the Just, which is still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Bob Riley sings it all. Listen well. Starts out my week every week. I'm on my way back to nowhere. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at your face. Or being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, all right. Uh, listen, you know, there's some people that freeze up, freeze up when you bring up things like Nazis. You know, today earlier, I I, I always forget about now at present. I'm always forgetting about the care don't care preview because it's just audio, and I'm not just an audio guy. Uh, knuckle up, the old show this came from. Uh, there we go. There we go. Knuckle up the old show that this came from. Had originally started as an audio-only show, but I'm just not so... I, I got to get into it with the upcoming Aussie Confidential, which is the new podcast that essentially takes true story, the section that I've been helming at, 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 at Aussie, and makes it like uh, four dimensions. Actually talk to people live, and I think it's going to be followed by, uh, after the kickoff on January 14th, it'll be followed by a live event the next month in February. Uh, you know, a couple of Februarys ago, we did sex with Eugene. This will be a very different thing. This will be Aussie Confidential Live. So, but this is, this is a, for, this is a format where I can go hog wild and talk about stuff that maybe is not so popular, and maybe is not, you know, if you think I'm here for hits, you're wrong. You know, those of you who go to patreon.com, 
Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the stomper, T-H-E stomper. Um, can donate money for the playing of the show. As it is, the number of people who give are fairly constant. I'd like to see that number increase over time, but as long as it's not zero, I'm okay. So uh, no worries. Uh, let's see what the commercial. Ozzy Confidential, January 14th. Oxbow, if you're playing, if you're in the Bay Area, Oxbow will have a show January 29th. I'm going to wait to release it until we have all the paperwork signed. But it's January 29th in San Francisco. As usual, anybody who listens to this show gets on the guest list uh, if uh, they take the quiz, pass the quiz on the guest list for the show. No question. All access, backstage, whatever. Um, I like to have people who listen to this show in the audience. So if Oxbow is the kind of thing you can stand, come on down January 29th. Um, where else are we? Uh, 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 at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. We already had the, the management meeting with the boss. They're going to give me credit for all of all of my social media, which shows a market increase. So it, I thought I had to get to 5,000 on Twitter, not just Twitter. It was an aggregate between Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and 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 Oxbow's page, which I sometimes use to, to sell uh, some of my Aussie stuff. So we're okay on that. Mr. Sleep 3 on Instagram. If you don't, I have to look into your world, your abyss before I let you look at mine. So now we're done with the commercials. So let's get straight to the racism reconsider part because I'm sure you're very confused as to how we're going to wind this around the UFC 231, but bear with me. So I started talking about this to the wife last night as we're driving along and she was, and I was like, look, can we, can we for a second in this age of outrage and umbrage, can we for a second just Take something off the table. And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, it dawns on me after thinking about it for long and hard and many permutations that um, that racism is logically consistent. And she goes, well, what, 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 what does that mean? And I said, look at let's look, look at look at the, the changing face of, of racism, because I, I think we can surely agree that 500 years ago, what racism looked like was very different than what racism looks like now. She says, well, how do, how do you mean that? I go, let's look at the Spanish Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition uh, was about a lot of things. Okay, and here, just insert the, the Monty Python piss take so we can just dispense with that. We can all laugh that Monty Python was really funny, and that was really funny. Maybe somebody could put a link to it right in this section, but I, yeah, I'm not going to go into it right now because it's going to slow me down. So you could... If you were a Jew being harassed under the Spanish Inquisition, which maybe wasn't exactly 500 years ago, I'm always forgetting where I am in time. So uh, uh, excuse me, it happens when you get over 50. Um, but let's say you could convert out of Judaism and, and live during the, the Spanish Inquisition. If that was the goal, what happened over the course of that, that 500 years had half a, you know, that uh, uh, half a millennial mark or whatever you want to call it, you have... Um, the nature of anti-Semitism, at the very least, turning into a biological issue, as framed by the Nazis. Remember, the, there's a uh, there's a book called Nazi Doctors, which is a fairly great book, and it, it talks about the how they were the spear point. Medicalized killing was a spear point between legitimizing the Nazi death machine, right? And it started with so-called life not worth living, also known as useless eaters, br greedy bread gobblers, something I used in the intro for the Care Don't Care preview. But the reality of it was um, 
doctors were the it was were the first line of defense, and why? Because anti-Semitism had suddenly become both scientific and biological. Biological because it's scientific, scientific because it's biological. Something you could not convert your way out of, something that was in the very sinews of your body. That, in, in other words, of course, this flies in the face of anything people knew even then about animal husbandry. Although, but in, in the Nazi mind, you know, um, the, the a, a Jewish person was composed of the detritus of other races. The the degraded elements, the floor sweepings of other races, is what composed a Jew. When if you know anything about animal husbandry, you know that's what you get hybrid vigor. You have to you take somebody from Sri Lanka and mate them with somebody from Iceland. You're going to have some pretty healthy offspring because you have the, the, the two gene pairs. They are likely to get duplications or, or deletions that will adversely affect the, 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 you know, your progeny, you know, the upward advancement of your species. But so so that's what happened over the course of 500 years. It somehow racism became. But also the racism that's most virulent. That, OK, you can you can argue that. That you know, World War II was a pretty virulent expression of racism. You know, the uh, the Soviet, uh, the Soviet, uh, the escape of Soviet Jewry. They weren't escaping from the Soviet Union because things there were shitty and they wanted a vacation spot. Uh, things there were great and they wanted a vacation spot somewhere else. A Peter Terre. No, in actual fact, they were escaping because things were pretty shitty. So th those were pretty shitty, but those weren't virulent. And I'm sure people would argue with me about virulence. I'm talking about the enduring nature. Of uh, of a very specific kind of American racism, right? And even with Nazis, Nazism and anti-Semitism, there was always a biological read, sexual element to it, right? There was a sexual element to it, a very specific sexual element. If you look at Nazi propaganda, it was always the the large nose. You know what they say about men with large noses? You know the thick-lipped, coarse-haired Hebrew who is luring the German Fraulein. You know, the petite, I don't know if you spend any time in Germany, but German women in general, there's a little gross generalization, are not very petite, They're big Brunhilde types. So, uh, you know, so much for be luring them, but it was always a sexual element. And the sexual element, um, I, I, I think, it, it, in a very specific way, and people will laugh, you will laugh, like, but remember the time when I wrote about the penal roots of World War II. You know, that some of the men with the smallest penises formed two thirds of the Axis powers and the third that they didn't represent, the Italians, were pretty poor fascists, backed up by this woman. I'm not going to give her a name, but she's a professor at uh, at Brown. And she was like, funny, you should mention that. I'm doing research on that and breast size as with large historical movements. So this is not entirely crazy. But I'm going to make a claim. Why could why? Why was it unsuccessful? I remember growing up and thinking. Unlike, unlike, you know, I mean, people died in the Inquisition because they refused to convert, even though they could have easily go, you know, I'm, I'm the, like, I know people who were modern day Jews who are like, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of the whole thing. Whatever. I'm a citizen. I'm a, I'm a human being. I'm not, I'm not going to go to temple. I'm not orthodox. I'm not going to fucking, you know, high holy days. I'm not observing. I'm, I'm done. So they have essentially excommunicated themselves from Judaism, religion, but it's a, it's a social cultural thing to, as well. So it's not entirely crazy what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. I think the, the German obsession with Jewish penises probably had to do with circumcised penises. I don't know if you ever remember the optical illusion thing where you take two lines and at the end of two lines, you have arrows 
that go this way, and then inverted arrows that go this way. And they say, well, I've already given the, the answer to you. They go, which line is longer? And of course, the one with the arrows going out this way looks longer than the one with the arrow arrowheads in this way. But the line between them is constant. It stays the same. So it's a trick of the eye. So I'm saying that the, the German obsession with the, 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 the generally, according to Joyce Behar and, you know, surveys, uh, uh, the, 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 the small penis German man, when viewing, uh, when viewing a circumcised Jewish man, might have developed an idea that, that the Jews had larger penises. I, I'm not an expert on penises. I would have to yield to Anth the floor to Anthony Kiedis on that one. But I'm guessing that there's a wide variety of penis sizes all over the place. Uh, uh, the, my third interview on the uh, on Aussie Confidential has me talking to a woman who was a Swedish beauty queen. She's a world-renowned Nietzsche scholar. She was an Ivy League professor, and she also ended up. Uh, she spoke speaks three languages. Uh, uh, did I mention the beauty queen? Did I mentioned the scholar. What else did the? Uh, and she was also a crack whore. I guess I forgot. Forgot she became a crack whore. That's season three. Uh, not season. Episode three of Aussie Confidential, and she's she on her authority. She was a crack whore in the American South, even though she's Swedish. But she had uh, I, I rolled out this theory to her one because she's a philosopher, and two because she's seen a lot of penis. And uh, she said, "No, German guys." She was not a crack whore in Germany, but she had several German boyfriends when she was, you know, doing the. Uh, she did a Nietzsche book, the Gay Science, with Alexander Nehamas from the University of. of Pennsylvania. So, you know, she goes, no, no, no. so this, we're just talking gross generalizations, but, you know, we've launched armies for less, right? So there was a sexual element to it that was born based on larger penis size. Let, let's just fucking be frank about it. There was all that in Hitler's life, there was a, all that eerie kind of weird psychosexual stuff, the unknown parentage, the mother possibly having sex with the Jewish head of the household where she was a maid, unknown. But it was a sec, weird, sec, Ted Bundy, early sexual weirdness. Strange enough, Stalin and Mao, absent sexual weirdness, but brutal fathers, suppressive fathers. So that's where that ends up. So, like we said, American slaves showed up in America not wearing tuxedos, not wearing tuxedos, but uh, naked. Now, you know, and you get these guys and they're like, look at these fucking, look, are you fucking, these guys, these dicks are, hey, you know. Now, I'm no scientist. I'm just a late 1700 slave owner. But it seems to me that if we educate these people, you know, these strap, you know, the sickly ones really didn't make strapping, strong, virile, large cocked slaves. We, I have no idea what's going to happen if they have access to our women. A dick like that might make your wife go crazy. And if you think that you know, race mixing. If you think all the race mixing that occurred was based on rape, you'd be wrong. I mean, people now they have this this southern 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 issue in the American southern states where they're trying to revive. There was no there was no denazification for the American American South. So they're trying it now. There's this whole Confederacy movement where they're saying these guys were war heroes. They were our heroes. It's just about honoring your tradition. Bullshit. 
Because if they didn't give a fuck about slavery, they wouldn't have had the war. But from their point of view, uh, I've spent a lot of time in the South. From their point of view, the reality of it is, generally as a black person, I feel more comfortable with Southerners because they feel more comfortable with black people in general. But they understood that they needed to have a line. Why? Because fucking pregnancy, parturition, introition, birth. I screwed up the order there, but you know what I mean. Fucking pregnancy, birth. Gains you access to your future. I mean, of course, I am enamored with Eugene S. Robinson. I am the star of the Eugene S. Robinson movie. I came from the soup of consciousness into this vessel called Eugene S. Robinson, and I'm pretty excited about the e-ticket ride that I'm on right now. But what's more significant to me, and I can feel on a genetic level my body registering, that I am now, like rugby, has, have, passed the, have passed the rock to the future. And I can see deep into my future now because I've got not only three daughters, I have a, now a grandson. I also have a wife who's like in her th- 34. It may happen that I have another child. So my future is assured. My body registers that my future. How do I know my body? Because I find my body telling me in a very certain way, you know, we don't really need you anymore. That's why you have to kind of figure out ways to trick your body. That's why you can up your metabolism and create your body. You're in a permanent state, perpetual state of flight. You get this from stress anyway, but you're in a perpetual state of flight. So your body starts like acting like it needs, you know, it's the laziness that kills you. Your body goes, things are pretty cush for you around here. I guess you passed down your genes too. Got the easy chair. You just, you need to make room for you but with the jujitsu and the band and this and that, I can't keep my body in a perpetual state of flight so that I think that I regenerate and I, my, uh, my metabolism is, 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 is maybe I'm shaving 10 years off because I got to stick around. But the body registers this. So it, it's access to the future. So if I'm looking at these guys, with the, it's a, I have to deny them. It's like I'm going to run a foot race. And I'm watching you put on gear that indicates to me that you're pretty fucking fast. How am I going to win this race? I got to shoot you to win this race. Whoa, whoa, this is kind of an extreme statement. Eugene, you're going to shoot the guy to win the race. You could just try to play fair and square. You know who plays fair and square? I tell you who plays fair and square. Guys who have no access to the future. Fuck that. Now, 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 some of you have, have written me and say, ah, man, you know, you start when you get into this kind of borderline eugenics thing, it starts to it starts to make me depressed. No, 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 no. It shouldn't make you depressed because this is a big 360 degree pie. I tend to be super laissez faire about racism and relaxed about it, not very excited about it. You never and people always drive. I don't race card. I'm not interested. I always tell you the whole racism thing bores me. But do you ever think about why it bores me? Why you, you you know I had I had a woman talk to me about a famous uh, a famous uh, uh, celebrity uh, uh, that she had slept with a rock guy 
And I and I said, you know, I said something about him that he was pissed off with her and that he was going to try to find her. And I maybe that some harm might come to her. She goes, I would never have said. She, he thought he she was talking shit about him. She said, I would never say anything. If I was going to say anything about it, it'd be that he had a small cock, and all everything fell into place because the guy in question acted like he had a small cock. Well, how do guys who act who have small cocks how do they act? Well, in general, this guy, if this guy's in the indication, they tend to be touchy. Like the friend of mine who's having sex with the woman, and in the middle of sex, she goes deeper. And he goes, this is as deep as it gets. And he stands up and pulls on his pants, and he walks out. So I tend to be laissez-faire about racism, which is fundamentally trying to, 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 to gain safe your access to your future generations. Because one, I've bred. And two, if I were in a situation to need to breed again, I'm not concerned about my ability to attack, uh, attract potential mates. So I tend to be fairly laissez-faire about the rules of the game. And we go back to the scale, the zero to 10 scale. Everybody knows it. You feel it in your bones. I know a guy, a guy I went to college with went to a sperm bank and now with the benefit to pay his way through college, donate a bunch of sperm back when he was 18 and 19 and 20 or however old he was when we were in college. And now with the benefit of 23andMe and Ancestry.com, all of his offspring are finding him. 40 kids. That means 40 separate women. He has two kids, biological kids of his own that he has actually raised. That means he's got 40 other kids out there who are coming back via via Ancestry.com. Somebody I know uh, close to me has discovered that her father is not her father, that she and her brother are half siblings because her mother clearly had uh, got pregnant by a guy named Carlos Rodriguez. Who is dead, but she now has a sister. So this guy has got 40 kids running out there. So what about him? Guaranteed that he had 40 kids. Well, he was a Stanford guy. He was an athlete. He was tall, physically fit. He wasn't blonde hair and blue eyed. So that, 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 that it wasn't that kind of Aryan thing. He was tall, athletic, and at Stanford, so he was smart. No extant health issues. So this guy's sperm was like, it was like uh, caviar. All of these childless couples were going for his sperm. He's got 40 kids walking around out there other than the two that he that he is biologically given birth to. I didn't like the idea of my kids growing up separated from me, even if it was just me donating sperm and trying to do a solid to the future. But realistically speaking, given the demographic, the height, the intelligence, these are things that, that is like, you can undo those. You can have a large penis and start to lose that lottery. You can start to lose points. You could be an eight under normal circumstances with a large penis and drop down to a fucking four if you're a complete psychotic because you're not going to be around to help raise the offspring. You are not a long-term player. You will not be able to hold a job. You will not be able to support a family. There, there are, you, can, you can fuck, they're like the dials on an old-timey spaceship on the, this old site, William Castle moves, where you're fucking with it. You can, you, can, you can get 
I mean, this is the thing. It's you're not locked. It's not genetics or not destiny. You're not locked into this thing. You can fuck with the system. You know, well, this is as smart as I am. I'm never going to get any smarter. Okay. You could lose weight. Now I'm physically fit. I'm sending out messages through my genes, silent, unspoken, subconscious, unconscious messages about my ability to play in the long term and provide for whatever offspring I have. You could doctor up all these things, but it doesn't change the fact that going back, like my my longtime roommate, who was like five foot six, would report shit to me as an African-American man he was. That was just completely foreign to my, he's out riding his bike, a car full of young guys drive by and they try to stab his legs with a, with a broomstick and stick it through his spokes to fuck with him. Inconceivable. Because believe me, if, I'm a, if you see me on a solo tip, you should believe that I'm strapped. But that's another story. So, 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 so I'm going to say, of course, if I'm looking at that, if I'm looking at that palette, that adventurous palette of of possibilities for my future and my wife was like well i don't know i said we go out to a bar on friday night how many times does it think it, it how many times do you think it, that now that we're all this integrated society is going to take the music is pumping and some guy is there and he's dead at how does it make sense that that guy has his pick of the litter and me you know a well-established five has none. Now, if everything being equal, if you're a five, you take it on the chin like a five. You realize, okay, I got a universe of fives to choose from. Maybe I'll aim high and get a six or a seven, or maybe I'll be more expansive in my thinking and pick up a four and live happily ever after. But you know what still rankles? What still rankles are those guys with 42 offspring. Because that's some fucking access to the future. They are guaranteed a place in eternity. You know, the whole incel thing, whatever. The guys who are thinking, looking at futures. And she, so my wife starts to get, I start to talk about a jujitsu today. The guys start getting out of me. Ah, ah, ah. I said, no, if, if we have a race to run, it makes, you don't understand. It makes perfectly good sense that I would try to hobble my opponents. These are the knobs on the spaceship that I'm working. These are the knobs I'm trying to, to adjust to advance my fortunes in the future. Right? I, I mean, I'm not going to take this shit lying down. You say, oh, yeah, okay, Eugene, what if I'm gay? What if you are gay? Doesn't make a difference. If you are gay and you're interested in access to the future, you're adopting people. Uh, I know a few people who were gay and met other people who were gay and said, hey, let's have kids. We'll have kids. Still access to the future. Now, you say, well, not everybody wants kids. That's fine. Plenty of people don't want kids and don't have kids. They have, in other words, they have said, I'm a five or six, seven, eight, perfectly happy having the story end with me. Good luck to the rest of you. Perfectly okay. Perfect. Does that mean that they have a different bio job? I don't know what it means. It means that they know that of the 100% of the people walking around on the planet, it's probably okay for 10% of them to go fuck it to the whole, you know, future progeny thing. So if I'm a guy out there who's a five, now keep in mind, a guy with a five who's fucking wealthy suddenly starts looking like an eight. Don't believe me? 
Go to Google and type in the wives of, of the, the top richest people you know and see what they look like. And tell me if these men will pull these women if they weren't billionaires. It's very nice when I see somebody who's wealthy and their wife looks normal. I guarantee you. I said, my wife, we're walking along. And so if I've come from the gym or jujitsu, people look at what the fuck? Look at that hot chick with that bummy ass. But then, you know, of course, some guys are going, of course. He's I went over to a guy's house. The guy had I was sick for a week. I talked about an old knuckle up. I sat down on his couch and there was a puff of mold that came up. I was physically ill for a week after watching it. The guy had sandwiches smashed in the floor. It was like a fucked up spot. He had nothing. He lived in the shitty section of the Tenderloin at a big screen TV. We watched the fight. And this other cat who told who was there with me, who was about five foot three, and he said, You know what that guy, you know what he was dating? He's dating one of the prima ballerinas for the SF ballet. She actually has sex with him here. I did note that the guy was six foot four, not super handsome, but handsome enough. And I knew that's where he was going with that. And he paused and he goes, because he's fucking tall. The man was a man in my mind for saying so. So it's like Bill Burr says when he talks about, you know, sports commentators trying to talk about, you know, the great passage and, you know, like Jimmy the Greek. And he says, there's always some guy talking about, well, the black athlete. And then you see all the other guys in the frame start to move out of the frame. And that guy's fired and he's got his cardboard box of shit by the end of the day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that does happen. But he's like saying, I'm not saying he goes, he goes, you know, a guy is like running around, running down the field with a football. He's jumping over guys. He goes, it's not like the other guys on the field didn't think of that. <laughs> they just couldn't do it. He goes, you put somebody in the gym for 400 years, don't be, it's, uh, if you want to see what I'm talking about, Bill Burr on Hitler in the Olympics is, or with black athletes, it's a great piece. Keep in mind, keep in mind, I got I got I to gotta keep you. So all this, even from Shockley, the guy from Fairchild who invented the transistor was like, blacks are, are you know, blacks are intellectually uh, uh, primitive uh, compared to, to whites. It's proven the bell curve, all these books. These are all ways to say right before the race begins, here, read this. I'll be back. <laughs> Guy's got a five-year fucking head start, 10-year head start. If I can break your leg and beat you to the pit finish line, more power to me. More power to me. In other words, racism makes sense. You know, they, they talk about war. They say war. You realize war is just politics, right? It's policy. If you don't do this, we will do this. I'm giving you a, a, a policy choice. And then you will tell the young men of your nation, young men and women of your nation, you know, we gave them a chance. We need to give them this or this. And they won't. So now we have to, you know, we are motivated. Let the good make right this evil wrong. We are motivated by it. We've got to go out there and lay down our lives to defend our policy. In, in the 20s, when they when they said, OK, the best schools in America, the Ivy League schools could be filled with geniuses. And all the Jewish immigrant kids were getting great because they were grinders, getting great scores. They go, no, no, no. No, no, this is fucking with the essential nature. This is fucking with the essential nature of Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Princeton. We, we have to think of a total student. 
a way to keep them out. Why? Access to the future. Access to the future. And keep in mind, if you notice, you know, I know you're sitting there, but the virulence of anti-Semitism and, and anti-black racism far outstrips fucking the racism that kicks in with, let's say, Latinos and, uh, and uh, you know, Asians and uh, Indians. And don't think, in each case, don't think, look, with Latinos, you know, when people talk about a Latin lover, what do you think they're talking about? You think they're talking about? You think they're talking about guys who speak Spanish with small penises? It's not what they're talking about. We're talking about a guy who successfully leverages his Latinoness to get laid. It always redounds to the sexual. And why do you think, why do you think the racist tropes connected to, to being Asian are usually about stupid shit like driving? Because is his perception, true or not, that Asian men aren't packing, therefore aren't a threat to your future generations because the women, like keep in mind, their women are not, you know, they say, hey, you know, big guys can fuck poorly too. And they usually do. Because they're not doing things like uh, oral sex because they don't think they need to. It's like, they got guys that go, look at this. What does this tell you? Well, it tells me that you probably don't eat pussy. That's probably what it tells me. Can't do that. That fat cat in New York, that rap guy. I don't do that. Dumbass. And, and who was it? If you, if you got uh, The Rock coming out saying, hey, no wonder your wife's unhappy, bro. Get to work. Now the rock is all now he's become if rock could screw his way across, spend the next 10 years screwing his way across America. It's like me in, in health class in high school when the teacher is trying to embarrass all the high school kids. And she says, Come on, everybody's got you got a question? Eugene, you're always so talkative. You have a question? I go, Yeah, actually, I do have a question. And she goes, What's that? I go, Does the use of foam contraceptives uh, affect the quality of cunnilingus? Oh, record scratching moment. A teacher was uh, blushing. And all the girls in the class kind of looked at me like, okay, maybe I should go out with him next time he asks. Too late. It was a disco cocaine fueled era as I was going to discos. I didn't need you. Anyway, I, I digress. So there's a sexual nature of, uh, of and it, it, it makes sense. It, what you give, you give, you you know, you give unwillingly because you have to. Otherwise, advance the, the tribalism, advance the futures of people who look like you. So guarantee their placement in the future. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's right. I just think it should be. It's not. In other words, it's not a accident. It's not a product of ignorance necessarily. It is about access to fu- to the future. And if, if you think about that, it makes it makes complete sense. Now, some of you on on fucking fucking Twitter, who's like, oh, Yuji, well, and I'm talking about you, Nui. Generally, I like your stuff. Were well, you trying to give me shit because they're not talking about Ian Kidd? Like, I give a fuck about Ian Kidd. I don't even know who Ian Kidd is. You realize? You realize I'm sitting now in a studio far. I, if a guy ran in here with a gun right now and said, where's Bloody Elbow? I have no idea. And if you notice, 
This show is on Patreon.com slash The Stomper or you, the Eugene S. Robinson uh, 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 Show Stomper channel on YouTube. Doesn't exist on Bloody Elbow. So now that we've got a guy, Ian Kidd, a Bloody Elbow writer who has been busted for fucking child pornography. I guess this was revealed in September. Now it's only coming out. Don't know how it's coming out now. I didn't even know if it was the right guy. I don't even know if it was a guy guy. I don't know who that guy is. If you said, Ian Kidd, that, that name sounds familiar to me. I don't know. You go, oh, you're a coward. You, you, you'll get on these domestic violence things, but you won't talk about child molesters. Say, hey, man, the fuck? I have no, I fucking, I went to Boston once. And as, after I left Boston, Boston is really regional and crazy. And this guy who used to, to, to drum for fucking uh, Seth uh, Putnam's band, the grind, anal cunt, He's a drum for uh, uh, Tim calls me or emails me. He's like, I know what you're trying to do. Would you, would you? Well, Tim and his girlfriend, Jennifer, were like, you know, they had worked on some fantasy of some kind. He was like thinking I was hitting on Jennifer. And I was like, CC, I wrote them back. I think I CC'd them both. I go, you guys are from Boston. And so your ethos is Bostonian. And your issues and your concerns are Bostonian. Because you're from Boston, but you know what? I'm not, and I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. But thanks for writing. Shut it down completely. Never heard about it again. Never heard about it again. So in general, I'm a lifelong fighter because I'm not afraid to say anything to anybody. I don't have no need to be political. 30 years in the music business the same way. What are you going to do to hurt me? Hurt Oxbow. What? What? You're going to hurt me. How? So now that we've established that uh, uh, our work has appeared in the same venue, my work has appeared in the same venue as Gavin McInnes, who's the head of the Proud Boys. I don't feel any need to fucking publicly either support or not support this guy. So, but now that we've established that Ian Kidd worked for Bloody Elbow, and I also had uh, appear as a guest on Bloody Elbow shows, but I have my own show on my YouTube channel. So now we've established all that. We established that he was arrested and con convicted for child mo uh, production of child pornography. What's supposed to happen now? See, I'm not, I'm not with this culture of outrage and umbrage because I know what it ends with. It ends with me huffing and puffing in front of a keyboard and then walking away feeling virtuous. I will neither volunteer my time for you know, child, child rape hotlines. I, I will not become a child advocate. Many of you have not even beat up suspected rapists. At least I got that in my back, 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 back pocket. Go to Ozzy and read Stomping Out Rape, period, literally. I wrote it about almost beating a, uh, a rapist to, to death. But the reality of it is, this is symbolic show. Who's gonna, who among us is going to go, well, you know, you know, those kids are probably pretty sexy. Who's going to defend this guy? And if, who, if no one will defend him, why is it necessary that I come out and fucking shit on a guy? He's shit, he's shit on worthy. I got better things to talk about. I got limited time on this planet and things to pay attention to. In other words, why are you pursuing, why are you pursuing lines of argumentation that devalue your power? So we can feel good that we're up at that we all are disgusted by child molesters.
Does that make you feel good? I got cops who work on the on the who are who are connected to work on the uh, internet crimes against children thing. You want those guys are those guys are fucking heroes. People want to talk shit. All cops are bastards. Fuck that. These guys are having PTSD. They're trying to go home to their kids, to their families after a day of looking at the most vile garbage possible. Those guys should be t- texting me. You got to stomp on this guy's head. But otherwise, it's just internet warriorage. Warriorage, making up a word. And so it, now I have just wasted 10 minutes talking about the Department of Obvious Department, Department of the Department of Redundancy Department. So we feel good now, don't we? Because we all hate child molesters. And take that and to do something positive with it. Because you wasted 10 minutes of my time. I have important things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you think what there's a conspiracy of silence around around some guy that I don't even fucking know. Okay. All right. I protected him for precisely 48 hours, and now I'm shitting on him. To what end? If you tell me, if you send me some verification that you're now volunteering on a child help hotline, then cool. Otherwise, what you've done weakens you, and and, and it weakens me to a certain degree because I've wasted 10 minutes talking about it. In America, globally, there are real kids in real places who need real help. I mean, I've already thought this thing through. I said, you know, there's a great Woody Allen scene, one of his movie er, earlier movies, where he starts out with kids, and then he runs a little title card underneath that talks about where they are as adults, you know, like alcoholic, in prison. And I remember talking to my kids about that. It's, ah, you know, so many kids in your school are so nice. So, but just think in the future, how many of these kids are going to be in prison? And these are all rich kids. So, you know, but how many of these kids are going to be in mental institution? How many are going to be rehab? How many are going to be pregnant? It's touch us all. Out of my kids' classmates who went to a super shishi school, same school that Michelle Pfeiffer's kids and Robin Williams' kids went to, I know a couple of them who have been in and out of mental institutions. Okay, that's biological. Maybe that's something else. I know a couple of them who have been uh, addicted to heroin. Okay, that's bi. Well, okay, maybe not. Okay. I know one who was in, in prostitution. Um, I know one who almost got killed by mold at his university. It's touched me. It's touched me. My my oldest daughter, I don't expect your kid to be a mother at 22, and yet she is. And yet she is. So, you, you, you know, I, I have, I've embraced this idea that out of my pool of friends, and now the, my friends who are in their 30s and the 40s, they're all having kids. It has dawned on me at some point on some level, I'm going to hear some, some pretty fucking retrograde shit about one of my friends. And I've already decided, what do you do? Now, I've had friends who've murdered people. I've had friends who've murdered people who I know, usually their girlfriends. Um, in both cases, I didn't know their girlfriends as well as I knew the guys. Am I friendly with the guys? In one case, yes. In one case, no. Because no matter what, one, this guy is unlikely to reoffend given the circumstances. 
And two, um, the person he murdered will never come back alive. And the guy, these guys have served their time. But what if it were revealed that one of my friends was systematically raping one of their offspring? Would they remain a friend? I'm going to have to say no. There's certain crimes that are unforgivable in my mind. And there's certain crimes that you're not likely to, to not, in other words, the guys who don't reoffend. Well, if you're a murderer, you know, the circumstances are very particular. You probably won't reoffend. Depends on the circumstance, unless you're a serial killer. But sex offenses? Sex is compulsive. And they may not reoffend, but they're thinking about it. I don't need them. I don't need them. To, I don't need people like that around me to have weak moments. Can't rely on them. Can't trust them. If I go even further, if I had a friend who savage, who beat his kids, this would not be a friend of mine. For me, the issue is not whether the guy is a friend or not. For me, the issue is like the article said, stomping out rape literally is whether I pick up a bat and go over there and knock the guy's head out. That's the issue. So, if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to superheroize it, shut the fuck up. I read the newspaper every day, and my eye is always drawn to that stuff that hits my primal brain, predatory centers of the brain, the limbic system. I usually send them to my kids, you know, like the woman who went on the around-the-world solo backpacking trip. First stop, New Zealand, November 20th. December 1st, dead in New Zealand. Or the guy who was 33 years old, who they said about him, he really enjoyed meeting people. 33 years old, shot dead by some 18-year-old neighborhood kid. There's a certain piquancy to these stories. Go to your computer and type in Dutch tourist India rape. You've heard me talk about this story before. The woman is get, trying to get back to her hotel. 50-year-old woman gets lost, asks some guys for directions. They gang rape her. She staggers to another group of guys. Says, oh, my God, I was just gang raped as a group of guys. Could you help me find my hotel? They gang rape her. These are life lessons. Micro and macro. Life will fuck you over. And... And UFC 231. There we go. UFC 231. It was a bloodbath for me personally. I'm not going to go through the whole card except to say that uh, Rachich, who was uh, trained with uh, uh, Roberto Pastouche, who was a known associate of mine as well as the team Sorrell, won his fight. And he was initially a don't care, but I hadn't made the connection to the obvious connection to uh, a known associate, a friend, friend of the show Stomper. Foss, and uh, uh, otherwise I would have picked him. But outside of that, and he did win. My fault, my bad. Um, let's start at the top of the card. I picked Ortega to win, and it wasn't a uh, – I'm going to be very brief on this because I'm assuming you've seen it, and if you didn't see <laughs> – sorry, I'm dying. If you didn't see it, you don't care about having not seen it. Um, there'll be a, if you, I didn't really, I've been ranting, so I didn't really get, I was in a full rant. I don't know if there are questions and answers coming. Uh, as usual, if you want 
oh, sorry. If you want um, to ask questions, you can. Oh, I see a couple people have right here. Uh, let's see what you're saying. Where does Joanna go from here? Uh, I'm going to get to that. At the height of American slavery, 70% of slave owners were ethnic Jews. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I don't give a shit about that. I don't, I don't really give a shit about that. I'm not going to. This is this is not my. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, 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 this is anti-Semitism versus racism. I, uh, you know, whatever. Don't know that to be. Nazi and oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, I can't read it now, obviously, while I'm doing the show. But uh, where does Joanna go from here? That's a uh, uh, I can answer that. And uh, so, uh, and here's a here's a, I like this. Uh, if you want info on Ian Kidd, that's not widely online. Let me know if that's not. Uh, yeah, I I do want it. If that's and if not that, no bother. Sorry to interrupt the show. Thought you might want the info now. Yeah. He did two podcasts with Stephanie Haynes, so folks are making assumptions. Sorry for your hassle. You do a podcast on PR with Ian's ex-boss. Oh, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I saw that thing about Nate saying he was a hard time for him. So folks expect you to have a view by uh, if I did it, if the shoes fit, so I want to get it early is all. Not saying you owe us a view, but it's reasonable to ask you, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not saying it was unreasonable to ask me, but it was like that that kind of pissy umbrage that 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 that, that I'm uh, uh, that I'm, I'm I'm not digging, you know. That it's just like, man, I don't give a fuck about that. Do you really expect me to say anything other than what I just said? No. And what was the other que other question? But I, I don't mind you asking. I look, I'm not offended. Yeah, in this age of offense and umbrage and outrage, keep. I'm one of the least least most difficult people in the world to offend. You say anything you want to me, like my, my Russian friend you say. It's when you put your hands on me that I'm going to flip out, but you say what you want to me, right? Because, he, again, it's policy, right? These are arguments based in some kind of, usually you're a dumb son of a bitch. Hmm, okay. And what else? Is that it? So you're, you're believing that I'm stupid. Okay. My dog can't figure out, my, my ex-dog couldn't figure out my cell phone either. Make him stupid, or is it me who's stupid? Who knows? But it's difficult to offend me, so I'm not offended. I'm just like, yeah, damn, my man, this yammering. If you're gonna go out and do something, do something. But you know, okay, totally agree. Uh, some folks asked rudely. Yeah, that's yeah. I was responding to fucking tonality. Um, so anyway, all right, all right. Um, so let's get to the fight. So uh, Ortega and, and and Holloway. They were. I picked Ortega because there were questions. Look, I've had two concussions from rugby, and I've had one from fighting, and that shit didn't didn't go away. Like, I mean, it did older, and I and then I fell off the stage once and cracked my head, which I had to be hospitalized for. So that's four brain incidents, right? And in each of those instances, the least amount of time I suffered was was half a week, and the longest was a month. Okay, so when the guy is at, at a press conference and he and he can't track. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When I'm looking at him and he's looking a little puffy physically, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's had to change, if they rushed him out there too soon. There were too many question marks for me to feel comfortable having picked Holloway, though I love Holloway. This is a fight where I love both the guys. And this is a fight where, as far as I knew, one guy's got to win, one guy's got to lose. But in my mind, they fought a valiant fucking fight and they both come out winners in my mind. Well, how is that possible, Eugene? I'm just telling you it is. Okay, the one area in which I'm willing to allow that maybe it's not possible, 
The one area which I'm willing to allow that maybe it's not possible is because I have absolutely zero interest in a rematch, right? Ortega, Ortega, strangely enough, I'm talking about them both being winners, but strangely enough, he's in a place in the fucking, um, he's in a place in the in the in the Phantom Toll booth now. His number is not like Beetlejuice's. His number is in the high tens. But the reality of it is he's got to fight some other fights and work and he's got shit to work with. Uh, you can see that. You open a door into the guy's skill set, you know. His lack of fucking uh, his his lack of of wrestling skills doomed this this, this uh okay, so let's see. Does Holloway have to worry about that with McNuggets? Nope, doesn't. He's not taking his wrestling seriously either. I'm not saying Ortega's not taking his wrestling seriously, but you know when I see a Gracie in his corner for an MMA match, I know that maybe his priorities are a little bit skewed in a, in a way that maybe it's not that helpful. And his stand-up needs to be better. You have to threaten somewhere. The jiu-jitsu is, in my mind, an aggressively defensive art. You know, In other words, somebody grabs you, and you can get them to the ground, or they can take you to the ground, and then you can start working. If you can't get them to the ground, you're at the fucking, you know, you, you're at you. What is that phrase I'm looking for? That you are, uh, you are not a victim of circumstance. You're at the, um, at the mercy. You're at the mercy of 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 fortune, and that's not where you want to be. So in my mind, this was a classic MMA matchup. It recalled uh, some of the great fights of old, and and um. And do they said, put your cards on the table. I'll put my cards on the table. That's what we saw, that great poker moment. And and Ortega was found wanting. And people were like, well, they shouldn't have stopped it, or they should have stopped it sooner. And I think they stopped it exactly at the right time. And you know how I know? Because I look at Ortega. You know, they said, we're stopping. The guy's waving it off. And Ortega was not like, you know, he had already done the math, man. He'd already done the math. The guy took at least three three rounds. It's a five round deal. What are my chances of winning? I got. Do I have what it takes to completely shut this guy down now in the remainder of this fight? No. Fuck. I need to go back. So the idea was he waves it off. Go. That's right. That's fine. That's fine. I'll go back. There's not enough juice there. You have to have some things happen. You have to have maybe Holloway eke out a eke out. Not like he eked this one out eke out some fights in the future to seem vulnerable again. So there's a chance. And you have to advance your skill enough so that this is something we want to see. Because right now, I don't really want to see it. Don't need to see it. You got shit you got to work on. And now the issue is you're 14 and 1. Are you going to be completely discombobulated as a result of this loss? I don't know. I don't know. Also, if you if you're if you're if you've sorry to digress, if you subscribe to the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper channel on YouTube, you've already been notified that the jujitsu breakdown is up. Our Mar Marcelo Garcia, our Marcello Garcia maneuver. You should watch it. It's worthwhile. And 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 e email a link to your jujitsu friends. They'll appreciate it. So I, I'm happy that Holloway seems to be back. I don't think McNuggets will, will, will waste his time, even though it's a smart move. It would be a smart McNuggety move. The idea, at this point now, he was managing his wins. If you're McNuggets, he needs to start managing his losses. Wes Sims had six before they finally cut him. You can do it. Look how many fights Randy Couture has lost. You can do it. It's not that you lose. It's how you lose.
But we know if they did a rematch in three months, the results wouldn't be very different from Ortega. He's got work to do. Should go do that work. The fight before, Valentina, and Joanna, I picked uh, Valentina. That was my one of my few wins on the evening. Uh, for exactly for exactly what we saw. I mean, I, I I'm gonna have to say that I think that uh, that I just think that um, I think Yuan has been in a weird place, and, and as the head goes, so the body goes. You know, there was a point at which she was just like, you know, um, um, you could just see she's like, yeah, and she's you know. Uh, uh, she's, uh, you know, running around with her hand racing there. Nice kayfabe, not going to work. Now she's going to return to fucking straw weight for one last championship run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, what does that mean? Let me see what that means. Uh, let's see. Uh, she had a ran. She won 15. Knockout of Carlos Sparza. Fed the belt. Donald Van der Rand came to an end at the hands of Rose Namanama Jewish. Uh, Jessica Andrade for her next title defense uh, says she will only go down to 115 again for a title shot. You, you're not in a position to be calling any shots. I want to challenge myself, she says, and chase my other dream and go for the strawweight belt again. For those who are listening on the radio, the look I just gave is called is called uh, not the copulatory gaze. It's the misty gaze. When somebody says some shit like that and you can't be the one to tell them, uh, okay. She goes, I was a pretty busy champion. Other champions are pretty busy. But if you defend your title once a year, you're losing the belt. We will see. Uh, 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 And then the bald one says, I love her. She's such a great fighter and such a good person. I actually consider her a friend. Now I'm getting creeped out. I want her to take some time off, go spend some time with her family, and then we'll get together and talk about it. But I'd like to see her stay at 115. It's hard. Still, while Yanjajik appeared undersized and surrendering five takedowns against Sujanko, she believes competing at flyweight will ultimately be better for her health. She's had difficulty with her weight passing the cut, most notably prior to the first meeting with Namaji Junis. Oh, yes, that's that's how she's she, – she's, Look, I, I can't even I can't even keep I can't even keep reading this. It's making my head spin. I I think it's safe to say keep in mind what I, what I'm saying is nuanced. I think it's safe to say that she's finished. Not because of anything happening in the cage, but because of her frame of fucking mind. So um you know, and and I didn't see her her beating her way out of it. I absolutely did not. It, you know, I, it just was not. Not only have I liked not liked the act, but it was completely impossible for me to think that she was going to overcome the head game. That this is this is her enemy. I don't know. I'm going to digress here in a weird way. Um, I don't know if you've ever had sex with somebody who's had vaginismus. And that's when, due to some strange early, some trauma of some kind, the vagina shuts, closes so fucking completely that you can't get in. I dated a girl when I was 18 like that. Um, and I mean, you know, everything possible, nothing. You ran the risk of breaking your penis. 
The body can do crazy, wild things when it wants to. Crazy, wild things when it wants to. Driven by head shit. Head shit. Purely, simply, shit that happens in your head. So, uh, um, so you know, yeah, yeah, JJ, she, you know, was not. Uh, I'm sorry, my nose is itching. Uh, her head was not in the right place, and I just, I just didn't see it happening. Um, okay, so uh, continuing. Uh, yeah, fifth, fifth round would have been very bad for Brian Ortega, health-wise. Agreed. The bald one says this. Okay, so here we go. So, um, and I'm gonna zip through the rest of this. So, uh, Manoa, I picked Manoa against Thiago Santos. Anybody who was anybody knew that Santos was going to come out hard against this guy. He had no threat on the ground. All he had was that fast start, his fast start. And Manoa stood in front of him, you know, prideful boxer, forget, forgetting that he's not using boxing gloves and got knocked the fuck out. No surprise there. Manoa has disappointed me before, disappointed me again. Tiago Santos, uh, uh, I thought that there would be a smarter fight IQ, a Manoa's position where he would stay away from the guy for the first round, tire him out, and maybe start picking him off the second. He didn't. Santos did. Will Santos continue on a streak? Well, based on how many people he's knocked out, he's strong, man. You got to fucking find a way to, but you know how he's going to come. Think about it. Use it. It's called fight IQ for a reason. Figure it out. Uh, I also picked against Gunnar Nelson. You know. and he, what he did in my mind was almost perfect MMA, mixed martial arts, was getting tuned up on the feet, got close enough. The guy goes, well, I could clinch for a bit. Oh, ended up on the ground. Okay, well, that motherfucker's not going to submit me. They call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a reason. Oh, shit, my eyeball has exploded, and I'm bleeding into my mouth. Let me turn to my stomach a little bit. Oh, a guy, a guy who's a jiu-jitsu black belt has actually choked me the fuck out. Oh, thanks for coming. Not a surprise. I picked Alex Oliveira for, for emotional reasons and Gunnar Nelson for the, against him for the same. Hakeem uh, Duwadu against Bochnak. I didn't care about this fight for a reason, and the fight almost destroyed me. It should not, according to Danny A., who I watched the fight with, did not watch it at the wine bar last night. Uh, he said, you know, this fight should not have been on the pay-per-view. And he was right. Gadella, who I picked against Nina Ansaroff, didn't see that coming. Never underestimate somebody who's in the fucking, who's unranked. They got that Beetlejuice number on their fucking card. Jesus Christ. What? 9,365? You kidding me? She had to. Against a third place? That was her rocky moment. She embraced it. And then I picked against her. My fault. Olivier Aubin Mercier tested Durbervilles. Got fucking tuned up by Gilbert Burns. I didn't trust Gilbert Burns. I got I got fuck I, I got Kachugi and I picked against. I would have picked against her, but I didn't want to care about her fight because I'm sore. Because then now she's tweeting out, oh, when you win, tons of people are even and you lose nobody. Hey, maybe if you responded to my email about that piece I needed to do, you know, you'd have more people. But you know what? It's okay. I'm not gonna be a dick about it. I'm not gonna be a sore head about it. I only sent you five, sixty fucking emails, and you lost your fight. Oh well. So uh, Eric Anders, Elias Theodoro. My reasons for picking against Theodoro were not good. Him winning still suspicious to me. They love that story. Him being the ring boy. I had the bad, that, 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 the hair, the teeth, whatever. I'm done. 
Brian Katana didn't care. Shapiro Laprise, Alimuk didn't care. Fred Fajera, Kyle Nelson didn't care. Alexander Reagan opened up the fight, and, and Devin Clark, that's my dude. Uh, Rakish, I should have. I'm gonna go watch it now. I did. I hadn't. I didn't even get. I didn't show up to the fights until until 5:55. I've got him. I watch him. I watch him as soon as this show is over. Oh, look at that! I got the flyaway hair. So, uh, uh, uh. But the interesting thing is, it was a great fight, but it was not a great fight night. Think about that for a second. Holloway and Ortega was a great fight. No question. Not a, arguably, not arguably, it's a great fight. But it was not a great fight night. People leaving. I, for the first time, floated the specter. You know, this is part of normalizing the sport. Now, we're on the, on the fumes of the deal with, with, with Fox, we're moving to ESPN. But the people are talking about normalizing, normalizing the sport. All right. So it becomes like other sports. You know, the only people who are still in the sports, into specific sports, are people who used to play, who grew up playing, have an emotional nostalgic connection, or who are degenerate gamblers. I know guys who are super passionate about their teams. Fuck, man, the San Francisco 49ers, they, they played football. Oh, man, the fucking Mets are playing. My father and I used to emotional nostalgic connection to the game. Guys are, the fucking, I got killed the Bucks, fucking lost the spread on that game. Degenerate gamblers. That's the three pieces of the pie that completely fuel casual fans, maybe yes, okay. They completely fuel professional sports in America. You know how I know? Because when I watch the fights with, with human beings that in any place but the wine bar, they're only half paying attention. It's only the guys who have to talk about this shit later that are zoomed in and they're listening. And I can't listen to I can't listen to Rogaine anymore. I'm sorry, my God. I want to be I want him to have me on his show, but the commentary is just it was it was and I could see like Paul Felder probably just found out how much Joe is getting paid versus how much he's getting paid. He was kind of sitting there not saying much, like, Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Hey, why don't you pay me a little bit more? I'll talk a little bit more, you know? Let him carry it. I'm not trying to sow discord, but I'm just, it seemed that way to me. So it was a good fight, but it was not a good night, night of fights. It was, not, it was a good fight, but not a good fight night, if, if you understand what I mean. I, like we, we use an analogy of talking about MMA as a drug. That I come out of this. I'm not saying it was a bunk, a bunk, a, I'm, it's not a drug burn. They come out of it feeling like it was a bad drug. There was a nice kick with the, the thing at the end. Nice kick. It's fine. <sighs> nice kick. But in general, general, I feel like uh, had I spent money on it, I would have wasted it. Manawa was cool. Who's the cat? Gunnar Nelson. Hey, cool. Burns and... I mean, there were four good, decent four or five fights on the card, but there were a lot more fights on the card than four or five. Four or five. So, was it a good night of fights? Nope. Was it a good fight? Yep. But it doesn't matter. I, we, I just did the Care Don't Care preview. It's on SoundCloud with John Nash, and uh, I don't think we. I think we had three going this next weekend. 
They got it's winding out. They, they're making the transfer. They're thinking about to. You know what? I, there's a possibility that many of us will be gone this time next year. I don't mean off the planet. I mean out of the sport. The showstopper could be completely composed of something else this time next year. But like Hamlet said, if they but blench, I know my course. I think we can safely say that if 2019 is a dog, that they've normalized the sport and the catering to those three primary food groups and that it ceased being something that it was. We were there at the birth of it, so we're excited about it. We have a sense of ownership about it. Like, you know, those guys who fantasy baseball guys who talk about Satchel Paige in the early days of baseball or Lou Alcindor, you know, before he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the early days. Or they go to the NFL Hall of Fame, the museum. I've been in Ohio. And you're just like, oh, man, this early strike. Those are some nostalgists. You could stay there and never watch another game again. We could trade cards or videos of Ken Shamrock and Tito. We could, you know, go all back. We don't see, need to see the new ones. Don't need to park our ass in front of the TVs it's on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Don't need to do that anymore. But we don't know. We don't know. We will know this time next year. But 2000, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for 2019. And I know you are degenerate fucking fans of this sport because you listen for this long. You will do the same. But if in, in December of 2019, if I'm given this same type of show, I guarantee you we're out. See it? And that's the end of V4-3. I got this weird thing on my thumb. This is the finger that I think I fractured. You see how swollen it is? For those, look, look at that. There's a big difference. And I got a thing on my thumb. I don't know what it is, but I'm super paranoid. And it hurts. It feels like I got a splinter in there. I'm guessing now that I probably got fucking MRSA and I'm completely panicked about it. I'm not thinking about it. But one of you go to WebMD. You go to WebMD. You see? It was a scratch and I went to jujitsu. And now it's like a little bump. Like I got a like I got a, a splinter in there. It hurts. Yeah, if it hurts more, I'm, I'm going to get panicked. I don't want to have my fucking thumb amputated. I need it. But I'm too panicked and now anxiety full to go to WebMD. Anyway, this is V43. We've gone very late. We've run over. Look at the JJB. Send it to your jujitsu friends. They might learn fucking learn something. Eugene S. Robinson, that's a Twitter handle, or uh, Mr. Sleep, the number three on Instagram. But you gotta have if you don't have anything for your post, I don't let you in. And if you you make it, you block me, velvet rope me, then I don't let you in. That's not how we play the game. I had to post it in the fall. Anyway, we'll see you on Tuesday at 7.20 with If I Did It, followed by If the Shoes Fit. All that ranting I did about Ian Kidd, I cannot vouch for the fact that Kid Nate or Alexi will, will, uh, will bring this up during the course of the show. It's not my show, but we talked about it here. So you got that. So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, also, it's Christmas. It, right now we're in Hanukkah. So check some action to some of those of you. Uh, who, uh, who are celebrating Hanukkah with me. Um, but uh, it's it, most people make all their sales there. So if you want to buy a long, slow screw, the money comes to me directly. Go to Amazon.com and read my novel, A Long, Slow Screw, or my play, The Inimitable Sounds of Love, A Threesome and Four Acts, or The Fight Book, of course. I'll sign it if you somehow figure out a way to get it to me. 
uh, 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 or you can, I, maybe I'll, yeah, I sold one of the, co I have one, one or two copies left in the house I just got. So uh, I might end up selling those. But in any case, give the gift of Eugene Robinson literature for the holidays. It, it actually makes a difference for me. Uh, Long Slow Screw is a novel, crime novel. The Inimitable Sounds of Love, a threesome in four acts. It's a play, very short. You, you probably heard all the stories during the course of the show if you listen. And then, of course, the fight book, everything you ever want to know about asking anybody, for, ask it for asking. Oxbow stuff, Boonwell stuff. Pretty much people say they hate Amazon. I tell you, they get to me the money the fastest. If it take 15%, whatever, it's completely okay. Anyway, that's the end of the show. I've talked too long. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks for sticking with us. Look what you made me do! Uh!